Is Dawn Charm the best charm? What is up, everybody? Welcome to MTG Untapped, episode 62. I am your host. I am the Micah, and joining me, as always, he is my friend. He is also yours. He is Costa. How are you? Doing pretty well. It's been a already a productive week, and it's only hump day, so imagine what the rest of the week will hold. The new Halo show comes out tomorrow. I didn't know that, but I'm ready to watch it. I, I might have Paramount. I don't know. I have cable TVs. So yeah. Do I have Paramount? Because you you're you're an Xbox gamer, are you not? Yes. Well, I'm an. Do you have I'm, Game Pass? I'm an all around gamer. No, I do not have Game Pass. Because uh, I thought I saw a thing that apparently a part of Game Pass gave you access to Paramount Plus. Hmm. So apparently, a bunch of people had it and didn't know it. Yeah, I. Uh, let's see. I'm an all-around gamer, but yes, my I would say the love for gaming came with. I mean, of course, like Mario and stuff predates that, and I played that. But I think I definitely got into gaming with Halo, and I love Halo storyline, even though if it's a bit wonky now, and I haven't played all the games. And I'll also admit that I don't do uh, subscriptions to like uh, what is it, PlayStation Plus or Xbox, just because I don't get to play on the console that much. So. Well, yeah, that's a very smooth transition into a phase where we talk about something that's not magic-related. Um, are there any other games? Now, obviously, you're incredibly busy at the moment. But any other games that currently have your eye or anything like that? Yeah, it's called Basketball. I played 11 games of it yesterday. God darn. Yeah, I only had two games where I... When I say I didn't run up and down, like I every game except for these two games, I was up and down the court hustling, all the stuff, but... About midway through, uh, my blood sugar dropped, and so I needed. To, I was like, I was just like gassed, couldn't do anything. So like, I drank a Gatorade, didn't do anything, drank some more Gatorade, and then finally, I was ready for like that second wind. And uh, I've been working on my jump shot because I realize as I'm getting older that I have to like transition a little bit, and so it's been coming together pretty well. I made all my free throws. Um, I'm I'm shooting, and I say this really lightly, but. I went from like a 40% uh, free throw to at least in the short right now, it's about a 70%. Like I'm hitting pretty nice, hit some big threes in game yesterday. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited because I, I mean, we even know each other for a little bit, but my friends who have been playing with me since like, and by the way, I only started playing high school at the very end of high school and I didn't play on a team. I just did pick up basketball. So Anyone who knows me from then has always known knows has always know God, I can't talk today. Has always known that I have wanted a jump shot and I've worked really hard at it, but I was just working hard at the wrong things and finally it's coming together. So aside from that, video game wise, nah, dude, I haven't you know me. Um mm-hmm. it's just arena and then I'll play a little Halo with my dad to complete some the storyline and that's basically it. Man, that's I never really got into Halo multiplayer. Screw this is a Halo phasing. Uh, but I remember uh, me and a friend of the podcast, Trey, just like in high school, playing through all the Halo games on like Legendary. Yeah. And just trying to go through them all, getting stuck on like some part of Halo 3. Those were, that was, that was just so fun. Just chilling, doing absolutely nothing, just grind, basically grinding. Oh, I'm, I look back on those days fondly. Oh, me too. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why I love Halo and even more so now. Like, so I love Halo because it's like what me and my dad kind of bonded over with before we had the restaurant. And so um, those were like the good memories that I have with my dad. And of course now like our relationship's better again, obviously, but it brings back like those joys. And then like for what you just mentioned, like being able to play with a group of people, like that was one of the first games that I actually did in a group. Like I know a lot of people grew up on like Mario party and Mario Kart, but for some reason, like my friends didn't really have N64s or anything like that. So it was, it was halo. We, everyone would come over to my house in high school and we'd do like halo slash like midnight tag and stuff like that. Some, some really fun stuff. And so it always kind of puts me back in, in those good memories. Um, I was going to bring up too that it's uh, Shaver's birthday was last week, and so we did a little surprise bar- a birthday party for him on Saturday, and so that was really cool to jam just like a ton of Commander. Uh, basically, I got there at twelve o'clock and I left at seven thirty, and we had just like eaten, played Commander, played uh, Mario Kart, Smash Bros. Like it was just like a 
Londe and then, you know, had some drinks and whatnot. And uh, so that was, that was a good weekend. So shout out to Shaver. Happy birthday, bud. Nice. Uh, this was one other thing on the Halo TV show. Um, just that I don't know how this will affect your anticipation of it, but it's uh, apparently that the people who made the show never played the games. Uh, but however, they were really tied in with. Um, th- is it three four three? Yeah, three four three studios. Uh, they were worked with them a lot and said, "Don't tell us like anything about the story. Just tell us everything, every detail you can about the setting and the characters." Mm, no. And so, so it's probably it's not going to be a like one to one adaptation of the Halo story from the games. And personally, for me, like I'm okay with that because I feel like people. I was like, like what is a common thing? I was like, there's never been like a really good video game movie. It's like because like sometimes like the the ones that try, they. I feel like you can. I feel like the. I really like the idea when I heard that they said that. It's like tell us about the characters and the setting. And I feel like they're, um, I feel like, and that also incorporates like really key elements about like, I'm trying to think of an example that wouldn't be like super spoilery or like, so that where it feels like it, but you're also getting something new because you always have those games to look back on like narratively and all their craziness. Yeah. But here, uh, so I don't know, but I'm going to assume that all the game adaptation short videos or movies are by people who've never played those games. And so um, I feel like that is an issue and that's fine that they're like, Oh, like give us the background and all that. But if you just told me, explain me who Micah is and someone says, Oh, he's a quirky kind of guy. He's kind of shy. He lifts weights. I mean, I'll go make you into whoever the rock who with some quirks and you know what I'm saying? Like, like I can, like with that information, like not living through it, it just doesn't, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be, I don't know. I mean, I'm to be fair, my expectations weren't very high because they're there. I've just learned over time that in general, you need to keep your expectations simmer. And then it's always a nice surprise when it, it, when it does surprise you, whatever. But, um, I, yeah, that's, that's disappointing to me because I think the other thing too, is I don't know why when they make video games into movies, why they don't follow the storyline or why do they don't, they don't like if I was a director and this maybe sound really shoddy and a bad idea, but I would literally take the in-game um, what do they call them? The not trailers, but the cutscenes. Cut I would take the cutscenes and remake them and then build in between those cutscenes Cause that's what I want to know is a storyline between the cutscenes. But if you're making a whole new style universe, like, I don't know, like Resident Evil Dead or Street Fighter or whatever. It just doesn't, you just never feel like you're getting a real story. You're just getting, like you said, someone's interpretation of it. And it's usually like Avatar Last Airbender, terrible, right? Like just, uh, I don't know. I really want someone to have, and I know these directors, like, come on, one of them can't be just so flamboyant and artsy. Like surely one of them had a childhood at some point in their lives and was like, I want to make this a movie or, you know what I mean? Like, but we never get Mm -hmm. that. So I just think there's like some stuff that translates and some stuff that doesn't and trying to be too faithful is often what can make it like the Warcraft movie. Yeah. But see this, I feel like that's unfair though, because that's Mm -hmm. one movie where, where it's trying to be too faithful. Like, Avatar is a great example where you could say, well, they're trying to be faithful because they literally took the first season of the movie and put it in there. But it's like, but that's not an honest depiction. That's someone who watched the shows real quick and wasn't invested. I need someone invested, like invested like I am, right? Like mm-hmm. I love Avatar Lost Ember. I will give you some cool stuff to go with it. Not this, like, let me dance to produce a little fire. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it's not the same. Like, I've mm-hmm. yet to feel that from the directors. If, if that's if, if any point I'm trying to make, that's what I'm not feeling from them. Steven Spielberg's an executive producer. Interesting. Oh, for the also, Halo. For the Halo. Yeah. And it's going to be nine episodes. It had a budget of ninety million dollars. Which is just crazy, putting in perspective the freaking budget of the yeah Amazon's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, all right. Uh, if you check it out, I'll probably check it out, and we can probably talk about it next week or sure. see what's up. Uh, but yeah, so that'll do it for this week's phasing. We'll move on to the untapped step where we talk about. This isn't necessary. I feel like we should broaden it out a little bit. The untapped step isn't necessarily magic that we played over the past week, but just something about our magic experience over the past. I don't know. How would you say it? Yeah, sure. Like, I didn't really something magic related. Like, Not something magic yeah, related. So, magic developments from the past week. Sure. Um, so, Cause like for me, like I didn't really, like I've been doing like dailies and stuff. Um, so nothing really exciting, mm-hmm. but I, like, I've been started like brewing some decks. Like I started making a light pause deck and that was pretty, so just dumping all these like hilarious um, limited auras. Like, when's the like, last time you saw like on Sarah's wings? Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. It's like Dominaria draft last time you saw it? Probably. Um, freaking, um, I have dub in here, but it's probably going to get cut eventually. <laughs> um, like just stuff like that. I'm just like, that's fun. I don't sleep. That's because I'm trying to think about that now. It's like, because normally I, I get too blinded whenever I'm like brewing like an EDH check or something. It's like, all right, me, how is this going to be fun for me? And then like I play it and like the rest of the table is like, this isn't fun. And so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to start trying to think more about that whenever I'm brewing decks. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's kind of where I've been for a long time, but that's also just kind of natural to me. It's not, I, I need it just enough for, to keep me interested, but I care more about the table and how they feel about it. So, I mean, that's why I have 12 decks. It's not because I need 12 decks to keep me entertained, which, you know, it could be part of it. But the main thing is because I want to make sure that, okay, if this deck's too powerful, then all right, then I'll, you know, power it down. Or if it's not powerful enough, then okay, I'll build it up, right? So that's kind of where I've been with it for a while. Um, so cool. I'm glad you're, you're kind of seeing that. I mean, it's kind of easier said than done because you have to get to, you have to get enough magic in your system to understand, okay, I've gone through that phase and now I'm moving on to the next part of it. Right. Um, and I'm also making Bergy, uh, wonky storm. Mm-hmm. Wonky storm. I, nice. I want to, I want, I just want to make a deck with dragon spark reactor. I May mean, just make a Brea deck. <laughs> Well, I, was, I, I kind of wanted to make it based off like the like. You never like the treasure storm decks on arena. Yeah, that's like standard. Like a, it's like a horrible D tier standard deck, but when you pop off with it, it's so fun. Yeah, um, something kind of like that. And I was like, maybe like doing like Berg and Grinning Ignis shenanigans. Like that just wins with like impact tremors or Aetherflux Reservoir or Warstorm Surge. Like oh, that's that might just be fine. Yeah. Well, I think kind of going back to what you were saying, I mean, that's kind of why like the command zone, I wouldn't say their games are unrealistic, but I would just say that that is actually really what you're trying to gear towards when you're doing your games is just very, uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? When interactions are exchanged between two people there's interactions <laughs> there's interactions going on uh that's what makes commander really fun and that's kind of why um i guess i'll jump into my magic uh so uh, on you know we went to shavers we played commander and uh someone there he wasn't mad at me or anything he was just he noticed that i had some duels and you know replenish and stuff like that he's like oh, dude are those real i was like no they're not real and he kind of gave me like the side eye. So we're playing the game. He at first didn't care. And then he was like, dude, like you're playing these games. Why don't you know, almost like, why don't you get the real ones? Well, a, because they're too expensive and B because I would just sell them anyway. Right. And I showed him, I said, Hey, you know, I know this is kind of like frowned upon, but so I pull out the card and show him on the back. I've written out proxy on the back of it. or right? Cause I don't want these like getting redistributed into the market or whatever. Um, you know, but it, I kind of lost my train of thought of where I was going here, but I will just say that if that's going to bother people, then I won't play my proxies, right? Like, or I'll have decks that are like not proxied and this and that. And so, um, man, I really forgot where I was going with this. Uh, I'm telling you, this internship has been 
it's been taking off, man. I've been doing a lot and I've done nothing but talking. So forgive me if I start uh, losing that train there, but, um, anyway, so yeah, that was basically my week. Um, yeah, I haven't really built anything new other than I think I just told you that I was going to build in Taxus, And then I basically built the deck for your nephew, the dinosaur deck, but it's going to need some work. I just, I threw some cards in there that were, that could teach them different mechanics as well as just being fun. Like it's got like a, a ready store alpha in there. So, I mean like a four, three that makes a three, three and gives them haste. It seems pretty fun and whatnot. And gigantosaurus. Cause apparently your nephew knows all the facts that there needs or that there is about dinosaurs. So. This, that he does. This, that also reminded me something. This is entire. This isn't magic related. All we're, we're, we're going back to the phase and very briefly, I was like, I don't know why it dawned on me. I can't remember where it did. I was like, man, Pokemon is so unrealistic, bro. Pokemon is so unrealistic. I was like, in a world where where that's like all real, you can't tell me every single nine or 10 year old wouldn't have all the stuff that you find from like a Pokedex memorized. The Pokedex would be the most useless thing you could ever have in the world because literally every single nine and 10 year old would have all that stuff memorized. Well, it's just like a smartphone, right? Like I, I don't know if I'd have every single thing memorized, like a six foot six Charizard when it breathes fire, it can melt a, I don't know, Blastoise shell. Like, I don't know if I'd know that, but yes, it is kind of pointless since like, Oh, what's this Pokemon? It's like, now you know what this Pokemon is. You have it on plaster on your wall. So, this is like uh, talking with my nephew yesterday. Uh, really, that really hammered that thought home. Uh, or a sidebar over. Um, but yeah, that might be an interesting topic just on, on its own. Like yeah. the mentality that goes into brewing, that could be a very interesting uh, topic for another day. About it. But let's move on to. Do you want to touch on this or you want to get right into the main topic you want to talk no, about? I'll go ahead since it's my quote unquote my topic for the week. So. Uh, <laughs> This week, um, going back to the party, there's a lot of things that apparently happened at uh, Shaver's party here, but um, his really good friend uh, was actually the host of his birthday party, and um, I got to know, I got to meet him a couple weeks before or whatever, because he's getting into magic, and of course, you know, he's getting into commander, but he also knows how to draft and whatnot, and so he you know, picked up some pretty expensive cards from me, and uh, it just got me thinking, because I hadn't been, you know part of this podcast, you know, on top of our opinions and what we think about formats and use a break and whatever is I really do uh, enjoy the finance part of it, or I should say I enjoy the speculation and, you know, just what cards to pick up and whatnot. Right. And so uh, we hadn't been talking about it as much. And so since this had been going on, I thought I would share, um, I wouldn't necessarily call them heuristics, but I would say that these are the things that I, I do in my buying and selling and just also to give some information uh, to people that aren't really uh, well-versed in this and also kind of touching on when you do these interactions, what are you conveying to your buyers or sellers? And so this topic for this week is how to buy and sell cards using TCG player. And so um, I first wanted to, I guess before that, let me let me ask Micah. Uh, Micah, what do you do when you buy cards uh, from a platform first, and then if you've ever bought cards from uh, just somebody, like you know, ran out the store? What do you usually What are you usually looking at, and all that kind of stuff? All right, one of the first things I do is I ask Costa how much is a card. Uh, I'll send some message on Facebook. I supposedly I could I could just look it up on TCG I guess, but um, I don't know. I was about to say, is it lazier or is it? I don't know. I usually just are Costa. How much is this card? Is this is this fine? But um, I know you've bought cards on your own though, like Amazon, right? Like you'll buy. Let's say like you're buying Amazon points. Yeah, right. Like let's say let's say you're buying a two dollar card, whatever. It's I don't know Galta, right? Galta's three dollars, and you don't want to ask me because it's at the $3 range. Are you, do you just assume that price? It sounds like you look at TCG. Like what do you, what goes into that? I'll look at TCG and see what the market is, but I don't go at, like I learned was like, you don't look at the market price. You go and look at the listings and see what, all that stuff, um, which is something I learned from you. Hmm. Uh, but typically I'll just look at the market price. And then I also, I'll check both um, Amazon and eBay and see whatever, 
the cheapest in our well depending on like ebay it's like look at like all right who's selling the card and what's their track record and all that stuff right. but um no mainly it's just like all right is this a square deal or is buying from non-primarily card dealers uh via like amazon or ebay is like the markup too much is like okay then it's not worth it uh, that's that's the main process is like look it up or text you and then go from there have you ever bought cards from somebody like like from me or from i don't think you bought cards from me but have you ever bought from i don't know like shaver or somebody just out of curiosity does henry count no because his <laughs> <the> store <laughs> operates a little differently because <laughs> you can't have i mean you can haggle with henry but i, I don't advise that so yeah, dang it. So the guy who owns Junior Comics and Cards located in South Austin off Slaughter and Manchac doesn't count near the HEB. Uh, then no. He might as well be Amazon, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, the reason why I ask you is be- for the same reason that what a lot of people do, right? They either have a friend they go to or they have a trusted site, um, which I'm here to say that there's no right or wrong answer and we all do the same thing. Um, so I guess let me start with, with some things that people either I refer to or that you've seen on TCG and we'll start breaking some of this down. So first of all, I want to talk about market price and what market price is it reflects the recent sales of a card. And so forgive me, I don't know the time frame of it, but I just know that at least within it's probably within a month, maybe even quicker than that, but it'll look at the recent listings. So if uh, going back to Galta, Galta, um, you know, since the beginning of this week, it's been selling regularly at a dollar, um, you know, at like three sales a day, right? And so that's going to give you your market price, your market trend. Um, then we have recent sales. Uh, while this is self-explanatory, viewing the lists on recent sales can tell you a lot about how deep an inventory was at a certain price and how popular the card is. It can even lead you to inquire about a banning or a buyout. And so as I break that down, TCG now gives the seller, uh, sorry, excuse me, the buyer some information as to, you know, again, how did I know Galta? Uh, uh, how do I know Galta's market price? Because I've seen the listings or the buys for uh, for the week, right? And, you know, dollar, 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 dollar. And as I look a little bit deeper into that recent sales, it also tells me the quantity per sell. So, oh, man, someone bought like 50 Galtas on one day. Like there, someone had an inventory of 50 of them. Someone bought them all at a dollar. That can give you kind of an inclination as to, hey, what's going on? Was there an announcement? Did someone ban a card? And now Galta all of a sudden is like the star stud for modern. Um, so recent sales are something else uh, that, you know, I look at, right? Um listings listings is very important i do refer to this to micah quite often especially when i'm doing my quick picks um i'll look at a card going back to galta and i'll see that there's you know 120 listings left and so what the listings is going to tell you is it's the total number of sellers it's not the total quantity so if i have 100 listings within those 100 listings a seller could have 50 quantity in there so you know you can do the math there if everyone had 50 then it's not 100 now it's 50,000 whatever right so and then ramp um ramp is kind of interesting i've i've referred to this quite often uh, but i'll go over it again uh, it compares the price of one listing to the next with an increase of price between listings in a sequence typically the lower quantity of listings the more ramp that develops so all it's to say is if i have 100 listings of Galta, you'll notice that for like three pages, all those Galtas are a dollar. But if Galta had 20 listings, you might notice in there that they're on that same page, Galta's at a dollar, then Galta went to, then the next listing is five, then 30, and so on. And that's what's creating this ramp up to a certain price. Um, so I bring these up for this reason. When I'm, so I'll start first with my interactions with person to person or what I'm selling. Cause that's what I was most recently doing. Um, so Shaver's buddy asked me, Hey, what am I selling my mana crypt for? So I will hop on TCG player. I'll look at the market, which actually is important. I, uh, that did seem a little disingenuous when I told you it's not important, but it's because I know what I'm looking for within that market price, which is why I'm talking about it. But so I see, I see mana crypt market price is $165. Uh, I look at so the recent sells. Yeah, they're all selling at $165. There's been one once a day, whatever. 
Then I jump down to the listings. I notice that Mana Crypt has 70 listings. And then I look at the ramp and I say, okay, the first listing on there is $165. It's from a seller that has like three or four cells, uh, which doesn't mean much. Um, I guess I can, I can piggy a circle back around on that, but um, you'll see sellers at like 0% or five cells and, you know, hundred percent um, with the higher, more expensive cards. The cool thing about TCG players, it does protect you quite a bit. It protects the, the buyer quite a bit. It does protect the seller too, but they're going to have a harder time convincing them that, Hey, I'm not trying to scam somebody when they buy, when they have like expensive listing cards and then they don't, you know, uh, produce on that end of it. But anyways, so then the next, listing there is still at 165 but then after four listings all of a sudden it jumps up to like 180 190 whatever so then i go back to the person and this is me um because i want to make a sale it's also somebody that's a friend of my friend um and so for me i tell them hey look this is the market price and this is what they're selling at um because you're buying an expensive car for me um i'm gonna you know shave off 10 percent, whatever so um, you know, or 5%, whatever. Right. And here's my price. So that last part of it really isn't important. You can decide your pricing on that. But from what I just told you, those four pieces of information really tell you on how you can sell a card, um, or what should give you a good idea of what you want to sell your card at on the reverse. The buying is the same thing, right? Like when you're buying a card, um, from somebody, I always, point the exact same amount of data to them. And then I also tell them because sometimes, you know, you'll run into these people. Um, Micah hasn't, but I have run into these people where they see a card and it's like, again, we'll go back to Manicrypt. They see it for 165 and they're like, well, I want to sell it for $170. I'm like, that's fair. Um, you know, maybe I'll budge, maybe I won't, whatever. Cause I don't, because I don't want to go to TCG pay 165 plus the tax have to wait for it to be shipped. Right. Because by the time you do all that math, now you're looking somewhere like around $180. So that's a savings, right? Um, and, and that's fine. But now let's say I'm talking about a card that's cheaper, right? Now let's go back to Galta at $3 and they want to charge me $5 to $10 for this card. I'm like, well, all right, now the percentages aren't adding up in their favor. So I now I'm telling them, well, I think I can just go down to the store and get it for, for $3 and that'll be fine. So this is something else just to keep in mind when you're doing that transaction. Like when you're selling a card, you need to think about what you, uh, what you have to pay for. Like if you're using a service like TCG or eBay, like they have a fee, there's a tax to pay on it. So by the time you go through all that and then you have to package the and ship out the product, right? So by the time you go through all that, is it really worth it? Or should you just save off that 10%? So that's kind of like, you know, 5%, whatever you want to do, but those are just a lot of things to, to kind of keep in mind. So, um, I went, I don't know if I went long there, but Micah, do you have any questions in there that I can expand upon? Nah, bro. I was just having a great time listening to you talk. Well, you're about to fall asleep. <laughs> I was like, I'm like looking up all Drazi conscription and stuff. Oh, for light pause. DCG, yeah. Seeing how many listings it has. Yeah. So, um, that's just kind of my background on this. Um, I don't know. Should I give some more examples? It's the first time I've kind of done, you know, I mean, I'm very short, sweet to the point sometimes. And sometimes I expand on something that isn't be expanded upon. So dude, keep going. You're killing it. All right. Well then, well then now I'll talk about the subtle differences. Now again. Um, so I guess I'll talk a little bit more about when you're dealing with people again, this is like a kind of a good faith thing, but I don't, when I sell a card, you know, I do think in terms of business and friends, and you really shouldn't mix the two together, but there's something to be said about when you're selling to a friend, especially to a friend that you know is going to keep buying cards, you don't have to give them the biggest break, but giving them any kind of break is usually very helpful. So again, going back to Shaver's friend, I probably saved him like 50 to 70 bucks because he bought Mana Crypt, a jewel Lotus and a Chrome Mox. And I think, uh, TCG market for all those combined was like $324. And so if you take that add, it's 8.25%, but for quick math, 10%. So you add another $30 to that. That's $350, right? But I sold it to them for $300 flat. 
that's fifty dollars savings. And I got three hundred dollars cash. Where if I had sold it on the TCG, then I would have had to pay again for whatever their percentage is. I can't remember if it's five or ten percent. I think it's like five percent. But then I pay five percent. Then I have to ship it, and then if the seller is trying to, or is the buyer is trying to scam me, then I'm kind of out of that money, right? Like I don't know this person that's buying from me on this platform, right? So if we go the reverse at 325 minus $15, because that would be there if it's at 5%, um, you know, your $310, is it really worth that $10 difference when I just know I can get $300 cash in hand? And so these are just some things to think about when you're dealing with people. Um, the thing that I would suggest to the listeners, um, be a little bit better than I am as far as sticking to your guns, though. There there are things that because I I feel like I try to cut people a good deal or I don't have the heart to tell them to, to bring down the price. Don't do that. Right. Don't don't be like me, because unfortunately, with that is let's say. Micah is, is trying to sell me a card for $10, right? And he's, I don't know, he's hard up on money or he just really wants to sell the card he wants out of his hands. And the card I think is worth $8. There you go. He's trying to sell me drug school infantry for $10. And he, I'm like, well, um, I don't know. And I just kind of just like walk away from the deal or whatever. When I could have just counter offered and said, you know what, that drug school infantry, I really think is eight bucks. And like, that's what I'll be willing to pay. And I understand if you can't take it, I should do that, but I don't. Now, the benefit of that is Micah now knows that there is a price that I'm, I'm willing to concede on. Also, lets Micah know, okay, well, he didn't buy it at $10. So when he goes to the next person, they didn't buy it at $10. Okay, maybe my price is too high on this card and I really need the money or for whatever, right? I, I need. I, I want to sell this card. I'm not selling it. So I think it's always good to make sure that like that you're communicating between the two because it's not rude to say that that's not my price. Now, there is a rude way to go about it and be like, hey, Micah, you can go shove that card straight up your you-know-where. You know, that, that might not be the best way to convey a message as to I don't like the price of your car. But by simply stating, hey, this is where I'm at with it, whatever, um, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, as a buyer and seller, will try to do better on that for sure. Man, now I really want to go in there and edit and have you bleep the, or have me bleep the, you know where, just for, uh, oh, I almost done. I almost just, <laughs> just it's for hard. giggles. <laughs> it's hard. By the way, if y'all hear me do a lot of ums and kind of stall on things because I am trying not to cuss because I, I speak, I'm very fluent in French. Um, it's not every word, but I can definitely go to town with my, my vocabulary for sure. With those. Sacre bleu. Yeah. Le croissant. But anyways, so that's kind of my spiel for the buying and selling aspect. Um, uh, I guess just to touch on the points uh, to wrap this part up, but basically find a platform that you trust. I know I talked a lot about TCG and made it sound like it's the end all be all. It's not, but find a platform you trust. Um, and look at those things. Uh, I mean, the great thing about TCG is it has all of it on its platform. It has the market. It has recent sales, which a lot of platforms don't. You can see, you know, all the listings for it and you can see a ramp. So there's like a bunch of visual cues. So if anything, I would say at least always look at TCG. It might not, like I said, it's not the only thing you have to look at, but I think that's a really good place to start. So from there, compile what you want to uh, sell the card at from there, right? Because, oh, I, let me let me circle back around because I had this templated, but I just kind of sped through it. But um, let me go back real quick to the, the listings versus the market. So if you see a card, uh, we'll go back to um, Mana Crypt. If you see Mana Crypt, actually, no, there was a card recently that I just bought. Uh, let me, sorry, let me just real quick. I wonder if. Was it Drog School Infantry? <laughs> was it Drog School Infantry? It, it, it probably wasn't. Uh, oh, you know what? It's on my Quick Picks, I think. Let's take a look. Do, 
Let's take a look at Dika. I think Dika Fractal Theorist um, is such a card here. So, no, it's not. Oh, that's annoying. Whatever. We'll use it anyway. Um, <laughs> so, let's just pretend Dika. Uh, has a market price, or well, it does. It currently has a market price of three dollars and twenty nine cents. But then when I go to the listings, uh, I notice that the lowest listing price for that card is five dollars with uh, with the amount of listings at thirty. So what does that tell me? What that tells me is if I go back to the recent sells, what I should see is that. Dika was at $3 and people bought all the $3 copies and it might not have been the same person. You, um, that part, you can't see who the buyer is, but someone bought all those copies at $3. And so all that's left is the $5, $5 copies now and the listings are low. So that can tell me a lot. That can tell me that someone thought this car was really valuable. They bought it out that uh, apparently, you know, maybe like command zone, they brought out a new video and this card happened to be in there. So it got really popular because people weren't aware of it. Um, maybe it just naturally dried up, up to a certain point, And so someone scooped up those copies. That stuff isn't as much, but this is kind of the cool thing about using this platform is you can kind of play detective and try to figure out, Hmm, should I be in this card? Should I not be in this card? Um, you know, that part, you have to make up your own judgment, but at least being able to realize what's going on in the market can definitely tell you, okay, maybe I should keep my, my ears to the ground because something is going on that I'm not aware of. And if you don't really care about that, then you don't care about that. And you go buy decaf $5 anyway. So, um, on the reverse, however, I'm looking at it now and Dika is actually, it's a little different story. Dika is at $3 listings are at 68 and the lowest listings near men I'm seeing at $1.50. So what can I gather from that? Well, what probably happened is Dika probably got popular for some reason, probably because the, one of the new commanders is very usable with this card or because command zone came out with something or the prof or whoever. And so People were buying them up, right? Because I see the listings here as of today. People did buy it at $3, $2. Someone bought it at $10, $1.65. And then I see a whole bunch of $5 listings. So the inventory is starting to replenish. People are noticing, the, the sellers are starting to notice, hey, people are, are going after this card. Let me keep putting my inventory out there. And so that can let you know that maybe this card isn't as scarce. Um, again, people really thought this card was really popular, so they went out and bought it. Um, so should I be buying into this card as a speculation, or do I really want this card? And I'll pick it up now before uh, you know it goes back down to a lower listing. Because here's the here's the truth about Dika. Dika's this one in particular is actually the Xenar version I'm looking at. It's not that replenishable. People aren't opening any more Strixhaven boxes. So therefore, or sorry, any more Strixhaven commander boosters or collector boosters, same thing, commander collector boosters. And so this isn't going to refill as hard as something as the regular version where there's still plenty of those boxes out on the shelf and you can go and grab that and just pull it out of the box. And so there's just like little things to keep in mind with that. But um, I think now that'll wrap it up, I think that's a pretty good place to... Uh, to stop so bro i think you killed that i think it was all over the place but thank you I, I think i had the knowledge there I, I think i have the knowledge there. that's that's for sure I'll, I'll agree with you there you are the consummate professional you are the best <laughs> oh snap that's in oh, all right um yeah that was sick i thought we were going to be talking about dawn charm this entire time i don't know why dong charm Dawn Charm. Can you tell me? Tell me. All right. Pop quiz. Tell me all three uh, modes on Dawn Charm. Oh, Dawn. Like D A W. Dawn Charm. Okay. I thought yeah. they were saying Dong. Dong Charm. Yeah. Uh, no, that's for uh, Untapped After Dark. Gotcha. Um, I don't know. Three modes. Uh, first mode turns night into day or day into night. Dawn. I always forget what Dawn is. It's the evening, right? So sorry. Night to day. Uh, second mode. Um, Creatures get 
plus 100 plus 100 to on a turn and third mode is your opponent loses the game you're close my friend uh the first mode was prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn uh on this copy that i have is there's no space between that and wood so it's just that's all one word that would okay um second mode is regenerate target creature and the last mode is counter target spell that targets you you were really close though you you're really close there on that Dawn one. Charm. I'm curious. I don't know why. I've never seen this. Warren the White, for instance. I I low key kind of think this is EDH playable. I think every card is EDH playable. That's true. <laughs> that's that's incredibly accurate. No, but uh, I know what you mean. Like it, maybe it should be like a main in a lot of decks now. I, I want. I want to make like five color fogs. I think Commander needs to go back to. Again, like a little bit of command zone, but even prior to that, where it's just like you have cards, and I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of, you know, trying to find some of the staples for the deck or whatever. If I'm like, you know, EDH wrecking or whatever, but I really feel like there's a part of me that really likes the interaction part of Commander, and there's not enough of it anymore. Like, there's too many decks that are like, everyone discards a card mm-hmm. and everyone takes damage, but and it's like, and it's like a pseudo pillow for it in some way, uh, you know, they're all just ships passing in the night. Pretty much. All right. Uh, so yeah, that is today's main topic. Did you want to touch on this other thing that we saw just before we started recording? Sure. That's worth talking about. Yeah, all right. So, um, today on star city games, they put out an article, uh, titled Potential New Art for MTG's Atraxa and Brea Surfaces because apparently uh, alternate art versions for Atraxa and Brea was found by a Reddit user of the name KEMI99 there's an underscore in there uh, but they apparently found files for them and the assets of MTG Arena, man, people are wild. Who's like, who would think just like, all right, we're gonna start data mining or whatever, and trying to find like all this stuff that's inside Arena. Um, yeah, so they found new art for Atraxa and Brea, and they posted the images, and they claimed that the files were indicated as uh, card sleeve images because they're apparently marked with the term card back. And uh, this says what they actually uh, used to access this information, which I find pretty funny. It's like, do you want to do this yourself? Here you go. Here's the tool you need to do it. But uh, people are speculating that these uh, arts are going to be a result of something to do with Streets of New Capenna. The only thing that makes sense to me is a secret layer. Unless there's, unless we're getting like new versions. That, that, that makes no sense. Because the five of Commander decks are going to be for each of the... I keep forgetting every time we talk about this shards or wedges. Um, it's supposed so, to be, I think, I think it's supposed to be shards is what they are. But either way, those will not encompass four color um, beings such as Brea and Atraxa. And so, that, so the only thing that makes sense to me is a secret layer. However, people are also further speculating that this is going to be a sort of art uh, about these are based around, um, the new Capenna vibe because all you got the, the gangster mobster thing going on because Brea has a fedora on like her like little like swirly gig doodads that corporate uh, incorporates like the missing parts of her body form a fedora on her head so, so people are like all right that's pretty gangster and then I don't know about Atraxa she could be she she looks like she's standing in um. Uh, like the one of the places when they t- were talking about New Capenna, that's like a it's like a lavish, like hall mansion thing kind of maybe. No, I mean definitely the art that it's it really has more to do with like the Art Deco. I think is kind of mm-hmm. like a key, at least for me, a giveaway that it's mm-hmm. Capenna related. So they definitely look that way. So it's possible people are now. Uh, I think it's probably likely we're getting a secret layer with uh, new art reprints of these cards. And we were uh, prognosticating before we started recording. That's like, yeah, if they paid to have these art assets made, 
people like these cards. They're very popular commanders. Why not just throw a Monster Arena as card sleeves? Um, that makes all the sense. I don't understand, like, they, because, like, you you personally, like, love your uh, card sleeves, don't you? Don't. And you're uh, I, yeah, I mean, I it, it would seem that I do because I have quite a bit. I, I'm just somebody that I do like to express myself with card sleeves, so it's not always that I really love them. It's just kind of like, and I get a lot of them on sale too. I mean, all well on sale, but it's like I have, I usually have a lot of gym to spend because uh, I was doing good in draft at one point in my life. But um, anyways, um, so yeah, but I do, I do like them. And those, I mean, like the tracks one will look sick. I'm not as big as the Brea one. You know, I happen to have both decks and I really like them both for EDH, but yeah. But yeah, so people are uh, saying possibly a four color commander secret layer coming uh, or people are wondering if we'll just get the full 2016 cycle of commanders and new Capenna art. Um, I feel like that would just make sense. Um, what were the other two? Do you remember? Other two, what, sorry? Uh, other two commanders from Commander 2016. Oh, um, it was, um, I don't remember the names, but it's the, the check, the check that, uh, has like Jun, well, obviously, because it's other colors, but she <laughs> was in the, uh, Women's, um, Day Secret Layer that made that one. And then I used to have the other one. It was Tyro and something Miletus or whatever. And it was a group hug deck. Kineos and Tyro of Miletus. Yeah. The other one is Saskia the Unyielding. Yeah, Saskia. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, that's potentially coming your way too. All right. I feel like I got enough words in after your epic monologue. <sighs> yeah. Um, it's a long talk. Dude, I was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm no BS here. You, you, that was, that was sick. That was awesome. Um, all right, I think that. Do you have anything else you want to talk about today? No, just jump into the quick picks. And since I've already touched on one, I'll restate it here. So, quick picks for this week. The first one was is a Deca Fractal Theorist. Um, this is the uh, Commander Twenty One uh, Extended Art uh, Non Foil because there there were are no uh, foils of the EAs for these cards. Currently, um, you can get them at as low as two dollars. That's after. Um, shipping because it's like a dollar plus the dollar shipping whatever yeah yeah i expect to go to five dollars within a year uh, this isn't a big jump or whatever but uh the fact that this card has been picked up and it's kind of moving up and down i did note that there were 68 listings but there are 47 listings that are near mint um uh, and i noticed that there wasn't a lot of ramp on this card either so um this is more of like a it'll be $5 at some point because it actually is a really good commander card. Like being able to cast a spell to have a commander that you can spell sling with, albeit it's a mono blue commander is still pretty awesome. And you make fractals because you cast, uh, instant sorceries, which is really neat. Um, so, and it's in five K EDH deck. So it is pretty popular. Uh, the next card, um, since I was looking at commander 21, I just wanted to peek around and see what else got printed in there. And a card that I found was Thousand Year Elixir. So again, the Commander 21 version, non-foil. Um, currently at $4. I expect it to go to $10 within a, or sorry, a year plus. Uh, it's in 28,000 EDH rec decks. Um, and this card was a $20 card before it got the reprint. And I think this card is actually pretty underutilized. So it's, you know, has a ability that gives your creatures haste. Sorry, they can activate their abilities as though they had haste. Um, so it means your mana rampers. Um, and this was in the, uh, actually, what stick was this in? Sorry. I was going to say it was, it was in the Osgear. Ah, it's an, Os- I got one. It's an Osgear, <laughs> but it's funny because it plays really well with, um, the new, uh, green black elf deck. And I forgot what that was in. It does. Yeah, because well, so because the mana dorks like elf, like elf ball mm-hmm. in general, like mm-hmm. you play an elf, it taps for another elf, taps for another elf, and it also has a staple on there. It's like pay two to and tap it to untap a creature, so it's like really good in a lot of decks. It's underused, um, so definitely a card you should probably pick up. I, I put a year plus, but honestly, it could go quicker, it could go a lot longer. But I just think this card, once people realize what this card does, it, it'll go up again. The last card, um, 
uh, unfortunately, this is not, there's not much here. Um, so it's, it's Karzikar, the Eye Tyrant. This is the um, AFC. So, uh, man, I'm telling you, I've lost so many words. Um, Avengers of Forgotten Realms, is that right? Is that it? Uh, Commander mm-hmm. product. Uh, um. This is the EA version of it. It's currently sitting at $12 and it's gotten boughten up pretty quick. Um, let me tell you, when I say it's at $12, I mean, there's only three listings left with $12 on them. Uh, I expect it to go to $20 in a year. The reason why I'm pushing it out so much is because here's the caveat to this. Uh, I believe it was a commander for one of the command zone games got a lot of attention. Um, the re- and normally I wouldn't buy into the hype. However, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, where this is a command, a collector booster product, meaning you have to open collector boosters to find this. It is a mythic. And I forget if that's really relevant for the drop rates on these cards, but I'm, for now, I am going to pretend that it is kind of, uh, it does play into that. And even if it doesn't, again, you have to open those Dungeons and Dragons collector boosters to get to it. Um, there's only 18 listings left and the ramp is super steep. My mean, like what I mean by that is, okay, you buy those three listings and then it automatically jumps up to $18. The next one after that's 20 and then next few after that are like 25 to 30 and it's in 6,000, 6,000 EDH decks. So this card is seeing a lot of play. Uh, it did have a lot a spotlight shine on it. Thanks to the command zone and it's really hard to get. So this makes like a really good recipe. Like if anything, you just want to speculate on this card um, and you also feel like you'll, so here's what I like to do with this card. This is a card where I think I will play with it. So I will buy this version of it, sit on it as a spec. And even if it doesn't ever get to where I wanted to get up to $20, it's really not going to go any lower than 12. Um, or if it does, it won't sit there for a long time. So I can just get out of it at that price. And at the very least, uh, I get to play with the card. So those are the kind of specs I like to jump into. Um, but anyways, that's it for my quick picks this week. I know I've talked a lot, so I'm going to do what I always do and talk some more by saying if you haven't stopped by yet, please go see us at Juniors Games and Comics. This Friday, I will finally be back because uh, I've been having a lot of things go on, like taking my grandfather to see Greg Popovich be the most winningest coach in all time. And the week before that, I went to someone's birthday, yada, yada, yada. So if you want to come drop with me, come check us out over there. Um, if you're in Bastrop, um, <clears throat> Go check them out at Force of Will. They're still doing great out there, but they always want to see more customers and they always want to build up a nice community out there. And if you need some great pricing, I will say that I have scooped up some cards from Alpha Strike because they are so competitively priced. I actually did pick up Dika and I even picked up some EA foil world trees before they jumped. They're not jumping up much, but I picked them out at $10 where now they're sitting at $14. Um, So yeah, they're competitively priced, um, you know, Make sure you check their their online store. And uh, yeah, that is it, Micah. You can take us home. That will do it for this, the 62nd episode of the MTG Untapped podcast. What did you think about what we talked about this week? How did you buy and sell your cards? Did you learn a lot? Let us know on Twitter, MTG Untapped Pod, or on Facebook, MTG Untapped Podcast. And you, if you have any other ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about, shoot us an email at untapped mailbag at gmail.com and if you'd please subscribe to the podcast rate and leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast it would be very much appreciated and that will do it for this the 62nd edition of the mtg untapped podcast i have been the micah he has been costa we are signing off and we'll talk to y'all next week later Don Jordan.